Welcome to another episode of No Butts About It. It is Wednesday, October 18th, and we have none other than Stan the Jet fan here. Chuss is once again at his internship for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, I don't know if they play tonight or what he's doing, but hopefully the Pittsburgh Penguins are doing well. I don't personally follow hockey. Stan is in his dorm room in Steubenville, and I am in my dining room in Indiana. Before we get started, of course, we've got Stan talking about the Jets and the Giants, and then we're going to talk about some playoffs already, Thursday night football. Before all that, let's get some uh, news updates. First of all, Jalen Ramsey is beginning to practice for the Miami Dolphins, so they finally got him back to add some elite coverage to that defense that has been playing fairly well, but definitely missing him. Kyler Murray and Buda Baker are both uh, coming back for the Arizona Cardinals off of IR. So they missed him. See what those guys can do to a Arizona Cardinals team that, to me, the they look better than what the box score gives them. They've only got one win, but they've been a hard-fought team. Uh, some sadder news. Anthony Richardson, the Colts' starting quarterback, is out for the season after getting a shoulder surgery. Jimmy Garoppolo is likely to not play this week after getting a uh, back issue going on. He was taken to the hospital in the ambulance at halftime during the last game. Brian Hoyer gets the start there. Deshaun Watson is also questionable for the Cleveland Browns, and I'd assume they're still going to go with P.J. Walker as the starting quarterback. Not for sure, though. Um, Maybe we'll get to see some more DTR, some more Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Uh... Josh Allen is also questionable, but he is practicing, so you might be able to see him. So uh, the other thing is Julio Jones signed to the Eagles. I made a video about that, though. I'll put the link in the description. And for you YouTube viewers, I'll put a little tag up here so you can click on that if you want to watch it. Okay, Stan, the Jets did it. Once again, uh, they did the improbable. They beat the undefeated. Philadelphia Eagles. Not only did they do that, they handed Jalen Hurts the worst game of his career. How did they do it? What did you like? What did you hate? You know, I've got to say in a win to to give Jalen Hurts that worst game of his career, we did the same to Mahomes earlier this season. I think our defense is definitely elite at this point. I don't think you can make an argument against that. And I think the crazy thing to me as a Jets fan is we were losing our cornerback one, our cornerback two, and arguably our cornerback three, especially in man coverage, numbers one, two, and three were out. Uh, in, in zone, you can make a, an argument that Brandon Eccles is not the cornerback three. But regardless of that, our two best defensive players were definitely out in, in DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner. Um, and all we really had was that attack, that trenches, the defensive line. Now, one of the things I remember Joe, uh, Joe, I was going to say Joe Burrow, uh, JD, Joe Douglas <laughs> saying, Joe Douglas saying when he was first made the general manager of the Jets was that he's going to attack this process of rebuilding his team from the trenches with O-line and D-line. And he's made a lot of moves in the O-line, hasn't really looked the best. I think we're definitely at least an average O-line now. Um, And in the D-line, we really saw that coming insanely against the Eagles. I mean, Jalen Hurts was running every single play uh, besides the run plays. 
Uh, so Jalen Hurts looked scared out there. And I think you saw that against other quarterbacks uh, who were just not looking comfortable with that D-line. But Jalen Hurts especially did not look great against the Eagles, who have the best O-line in the league, right? I mean, over the last two years, I'd say, they definitely have the best O-line in the league. Um, and there was that Lane Johnson injury. But regardless of that, that's still a top O-line, right? Mm -hmm. and, and to see that from the Jets shows me a lot. I remember about a year ago, last uh, not this summer, but the summer before, I was talking to you. I was in Kansas, um, and there was news coming out uh, from Robert Sala. I was in work, but Robert Sala said, the Jets are going to have a D-line that's going to have a crazy rotation, and even the third stringers are going to get snaps every single play of the game. And what this also meant is you're going to see a lot more uh, spots on the final roster going to de uh, defensive linemen. And if you remember that conversation we had, I hated that decision. I thought Rob Sala was speaking out, speaking out of nowhere. I did not understand where that was coming from, and I thought it was going to be it was going to hurt us in the long run. Um, Robert Sala, my apologies. Um, you you proven me wrong, right? Everything I understand about football was proven wrong in that game. And I think what we saw today was a culmination of that uh, effort from Robert Sala. Um, in, in building a strong D-line and uh, with Joe Douglas from putting the pieces on this team, our general manager and our coach putting a great D-line in here. And, and you saw even third stringers pushing heavily. Um, everyone was getting involved. And, and that uh, the interceptions, I think, were more due to Jalen Hurts having to run, having, you know, not being able to look comfortable in that back line. There are a lot of tackles for loss. We saw everyone, uh, we saw the linebackers get involved. We saw Michael Carter II, uh, who is basically our cornerback one, uh, getting involved, you know, pushing Jalen Hurts around. And, you know, for me, that was uh, the big thing. The second thing in that game, my second big takeaway was with Zach Wilson. And I'm not going to say I'm comfortable with him being the Jets starter after Aaron Rodgers moving forward. I'm still, uh, I still stand basically where I was, but every single game is proving me more and more a little bit silly. He's making me look silly out here. <laughs> Uh, by putting some great performances out there. And, you know, when I saw that game against the Eagles, you know who that reminded me of? That reminded me of Andy Dalton, right? That reminded me of Sam Bradford. That reminded me of those average, uh, you know, quarterbacks who were able to make it work. Andy Dalton made the playoffs, right? Mm -hmm. Ryan Tannehill, another average quarterback. You know, he had that 2019 comeback play of the year season. But besides that, he was an average quarterback. He made the, he made the playoffs, what, four or five times? Mm -hmm. So if this is a Zach Wilson we can see consistently through the season – I don't mind him being the quarterback. I, I, I want to draft someone in the offseason. Don't get me wrong. But I don't mind running with him at, at quarterback two while Aaron Rodgers is in town. And when Rodgers retires, I don't mind Wilson being the guy, given that we're still looking at rookies and trying to draft someone. And, and to me, those are two big takeaways from this game. A great win for the Jets. Uh, the Browns also, you know, beating the other undefeated teams. So I guess the Browns and Jets are the two best NFL teams guaranteed now. Um, but, you know, <laughs> it, it was a, it was a great weekend. It was an exciting weekend uh, for all football fans, especially for me as a Jets fan. When I went to this game, knowing that the Eagles were basically the best team in the league and knowing that their O-line was the strongest, given that, you know, our defense is very much based on having Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed out there who are both out. Um, and, the Jets were able to pull it through a great victory. Yeah. And something that you kind of, if I remember correctly, you mentioned in previous episodes was that you wanted to see the run game get going more with Brees Hall. And I'm looking at Zach Wilson's stats. He didn't turn the ball over, but he also didn't score a touchdown. He didn't, 
throw a 200-yard game. His completion percentage was 57.6. So you didn't win because of him, but he didn't cause you to lose the game either. Looks like you had to depend on that run game a lot more. Is that something that you liked when you were seeing that? Yeah, I mean, I think for this team, at least up until we get Rodgers back, it's going to be a lot of run game. And uh, I did I did think Wilson's looking way more comfortable. And that's what I want to see because you still need to have some sort of pass game out there. And while he didn't have any, you know, plays that are going to make, you know, a sports center top 10, he, he, had, he had a lot of great plays. There's one 40-yard pass where I think he was backed up against his own goal line. I was able to, you know, stay uh, competent, stay calm, make the pass, make the big play. You know, those are the type of plays that he needs to make if we're going to make any sort of playoff run here. And, uh, I mean, you texted me something about this. I've seen plenty of, uh, you know, tweets about this. Aaron Rodgers says he's going to be back. Uh, at least by the playoffs, potentially before that. Um, what Zach Wilson is doing is keeping this team intact till then, making sure we're getting victories. And looking, you know, we have our bye week coming up, but after the bye week, you know, we're looking at teams like the Giants. We're looking at teams like the Commanders, right? We can, we can make this work. We have the Chargers who, you know, while they're a decent team, their defense has looked terrible. And then the Raiders who's, who aren't that far off. You know, I mean, outside of our own division, the games we have after – uh, the bye week are looking really easy. The Falcons, another team that I think we're going to really be able to beat. So for Zach Wilson now, you made it through the tough part of the season. I actually, if you remember, before the season started, even with Rodgers, I predicted two victories for the Jets before a bye week. We have three, right? Mm-hmm. We're three and three. Very different story than two and four if, if we had that loss to the Eagles. You know, I'm feeling good as a fan, and I think uh, I think we have a, a really easy schedule ahead of us. So as long as we keep our, our ourselves focused and, you know, Zach Wilson, you know, keeps on improving and at least plays a stable game, we'll be fine. Something I want to point out that Robert Sala pointed out, and I'd, I'd watched the games, but it hadn't really clicked until he pointed this out. You guys have played very good quarterbacks. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Jalen Hurts. Um, you also played Dak and Mac Jones. You lost, mo- th- you lost to the Cowboys, you lost to the Patriots, you lost to the Chiefs in the Taylor Swift game. But all of those quarterbacks had terrible games. Josh Allen played horrible against the Jets in a game that as soon as Aaron Rodgers went down, it just was assumed that the Bills had won. You had that bar that was giving out free beer if – in Wisconsin if uh, the Packers lost or if the Jets lost and then the Jets came back and won and everyone had to pay their tab. Dak somehow had the best game out of all of those quarterbacks, I think. The Patriots haven't looked good. You all, you should have really beat the Chiefs, in my opinion. You beat the – yeah. So how does that feel that you're making these quarterbacks look bad when you've got – Daniel Jones, maybe Tyrod Taylor this week. Justin Herbert, who he he looked uncomfortable in the pocket on Monday Night Football. Brian Hoyer, Josh Allen again. I mean, that's got to feel good knowing you can make Patrick Mahomes' life hell and you've got these easy guys coming up, easier guys. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, a lot of guys who were ending up on top five QB lists before the seasons – all of them through three picks uh, in their games against the Jets got sacked a couple times. I mean, I'm feeling great. And uh, I think the, the best part of this for me 
is uh, looking at that defensive room, knowing that, again, like these sacks, uh, the quarterback pressures, they're coming from our third stringers. They're coming from our second stringers, not just the guys at the top of that line. And I think at the end of all of these games, you're seeing uh, the culmination of this deep defensive rotation we have going on because our D-line, they're looking fresh. They're looking ready. They're hungry for some sacks. And you look at uh, the O-line of the Eagles in that last game, they were tired, they were weathered down, and they did not have the energy in them. So when I'm looking at these upcoming games, you know, this D-line, another another thing, uh, you know, to note with that uh, deep rotation we have is that the d- defensive linemen, they're going to have a lot less injuries. They're going to be a lot less weathered and torn down by the end of the season, right? You know, football is an extremely explosive and injury uh, ridden game. So if we could avoid more injuries on that D line, if we could keep that D line healthy and fresh every single game, yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a crazy season. And I'm really excited again, coming, uh, you know, out of this bye week when we're going to have a lot of really easy teams, uh, you know, the giants, I believe the first one we're playing and the giants have just looked weird. Um, they've looked only good with Tyrod Taylor for some reason. Um, well, Ty- so Tyrod Taylor, Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor remembered the Darren Wallers on the team. So that helped him a little bit. <laughs> That is true. Yeah, I had Darren Wall in fantasy, so I'm happy with that. But, I mean, what were you gonna- yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling confident. Okay, good. I mean, yeah, the Giants, that pass, the Jets pass rush should be able to get him. I mean, they, they are starting a guy who in his, like, I don't know if you caught the beginning of Sunday Night Football, but – when he did his intro, he was starting at left tackle, and he said, Justin straight off the couch pew because he'd been rehabbing from an ACL injury. I don't even know if he's been in the on a team for two years. Put him at left tackle, and then the left guard got hurt, and so they threw him in at left guard, and he was supposed to be in rotation and only play like 20-some snaps. Nope, they put him in at left guard or left tackle, and he played like 70-some snaps at that position. And so – I think the Jets uh, pass rush is going to have some fun with Justin straight off the couch pew trying to protect Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, and you know, Josh, when, when you and Crew at Francisco, you were part of the same household. And one thing you might remember, there's not a whole lot of Jets fans here, but there's a lot of Giants fans. So I'm excited for that game. I'm excited to see their guys go down and get uh, smashed in, get 20-yard sacks, I'm expecting. So I'm excited for this game. Um, it's going to be a great one. Um, and, and when I'm looking at uh, at this upcoming game, I actually don't know if Daniel Jones is going to be back by then. Um, do, do you know this? Or? I don't think he – so he's got a neck injury, and the way they described it, it kind of sounded like a pinched nerve to where it's – he's rehabbing. He could play, but there's really no reason for him to right mm-hmm. now. And so uh, it's really just pain management, I think. So I wouldn't be surprised if Tyrod Taylor plays again, but it's it could go either way. If, if you're ready to move on to talking about that Giants game, yeah, uh, Tyrod Taylor, I mean, what a great job by him. At the very least, he was consistent through that game. And, you know, he wasn't really a red zone threat, but not a whole lot of QBs in the NFL are, you know. It's only the very ext- – like the best of best QBs who are making those red zone plays consistently. Uh, and the big thing you mentioned, yeah, he got Darren Waller uh, in the game. He was he was passing to everyone. You know, I saw all, all, all of the guys on that field – getting a couple of receptions here and there. And if the Giants are going to win, they're going to have to do that. Because mm-hmm. when when Daniel Jones was the guy, no one was getting involved. Uh, you know, Saquon Barkley was back. He had a, he had a good game. Um, the first half looked terrible for Saquon. I think his first, like, uh, 10 to 15 carries, he was averaging less yards than carries. So not a great look for him. 
But, you know, he got involved, especially towards the end of that game. And, you know, we saw, we saw a lot of decent plays from him. Um, and I think what we saw from Saquon mostly is the Bills' defense have to think about someone coming out of that backfield, right? The last few games, the defense that the Giants have played, they have not had to worry about who's in that backfield, right? Now you need to worry because you got Saquon back there. Um, and, and, and even Gainwell and the other running backs had a couple of uh, carries here and there. Uh, but at the very least, no one was getting worried before uh, Saquon was back there. Um, Matt Breda, not a very good uh, running back. But when you have Saquon, when you have a good working QB who's able to get the ball around, Breda, he can get, he can get a few yards here and there. Yeah, I also feel like Tyrod's a bit more mobile than Daniel Jones. I know he's older, but I feel like he was – Maybe I just don't watch Daniel Jones enough, but I feel like Tyrod Taylor was rolling out a lot more often, which kind of makes him more elusive, which you need behind that Giants O-line. Yeah, I think I think Taylor also knows how to read pressure a little bit better. Um, I think Jones was – I mean, he's been in the league for – what, this is this is his sixth year. We've talked about this before, and he's just not looking very comfortable back there. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I said Gainwell, I realized just now. Yeah. I meant Breda. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, uh – you sent me a really random so you sent me two random texts that night. First text said, "Do you like Seinfeld?" And I responded with, "No, never found it funny." Like, da, 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 da. follow-up text. I think Brian Dable should be fired. Why? So, for the Seinfeld text, I watched <laughs> Seinfeld for the first time and I thought the humor reminded me a lot of you. I think your way of presenting jokes is similar to Jerry Seinfeld's. Um, but I don't know if to I should the main be offended. Question, <laughs> I, I liked it. I thought it was good. <laughs> okay. Uh, but but to, to the main topic of discussion, I mean, Brian Dayball, at the very least, he's not a great leader. I mean, you look at the Lions and Jets, two teams that are having turnaround seasons right now. Um, those coaches, they've been through some, some bad, bad games, some bad stretches. But through that, they were leaders. They led their team. Dayball here is, you know, blaming the quarterback. We saw the end of the first half. Uh, I, I don't know if, if you watched that play, but where he wasn't able to spike the ball in time and the Giants ended up not being able to score. Um, who do I blame for that? I blame Dayball. Uh, because if you're giving the quarterback uh, a play with an option and the quarterback takes the option, you're the one who gave him that play. Dayball <laughs> gave him the play. You can't blame your quarterback. You can't blame anyone but yourself. When you're the coach, you take responsibility. And, you know, the Giants were playing well that night. So when I look at uh, Dayball blaming his uh, his quarterback, his backup quarterback, who came into this game uh, not having a start the season, I'm putting the blame on Dayball. And, you know, you look at Dayball, not just this game, but even in past games, he's blaming everyone but himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's just not a great leader. He shouted at his uh, OC that game too. And, you know, when you're the head coach, you have to be the last stop. You're the one who makes those decisions. So if you did not want Taylor to take the option and run the ball, guess what? You don't give him that option. You tell him it's a pass play. So I just blame Dayball for that. And I think for the Giants, one, they've not been able to make it work with Dayball, period. Uh, they made the playoffs. So what? Uh, it, 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 was not, it, was, it was not a pretty trip to the playoffs. They did not do anything there. Um, I think it's time to move on from Dayball. And Dayball has the tools on this team. The only thing he really doesn't have is an O-line. But he has a lot of tools, both on defense and offense. And you've seen just a terrible, terrible season from him. Um, and and they, they had that one win against the Cardinals. So not really counting that for much. I just don't <laughs> think the Giants are uh, a team that 
can keep on running with Dayball. I think you got to move on from him. So, yeah, last year the Giants went 9-7-1, and made the playoffs. Um, we have seen – so, yeah, I kind of agree with you on that whole, yes, Tyrod Taylor audibled into the run. Shouldn't There shouldn't have been an option there to audible into the run. You can say that. That whole play, though, I don't think there was a winning – I don't think that there was a winning answer for Tyrod Taylor, no matter what he did, unless he got the touchdown – because I saw fans reacting. They're like, why the heck would you run it on that right there when you could pass? And it took me back to the Super Bowl where Russell Wilson threw instead of giving Marshawn Lynch the ball, which you could say, okay, Marshawn Lynch is better than Saquon. But Russell Wilson threw it in a very similar situation and it got intercepted. So who's to say that wouldn't have happened here? And then people would be like, well, you should have ran the ball. And I, I just don't think that there was a winning situation there for Tyrod Taylor if he doesn't get the touchdown. He needed to get the touchdown. Otherwise, there was going to be blame. Um, Brian Dable, well, though, I don't know how you fire him unless he just – which he does get angry. I mean, we saw him throw the tablet at Daniel Jones. But he was the coach of the year last year. So do you go from coach of the year to being fired just over the course of one season? Okay. A uh, couple things on that first. Um, I would say, you know, from the genius football mind of Stanley Colasso, um, I would say you, you go for the pass. Tyrod Taylor is a guy who's been around. He's played mm-hmm. under a lot of coaches. And you tell him, hey, if you don't get a wide open uh, receiver, throw it out of bounds. And then you go for the field goal. That, that's what I think was the right decision there. Okay. Uh, but back to the second point. Um, I think I think you do. Why? Because it's the best thing for the team. Um, now, I don't think the Giants had it easy. They also played a lot of really tough teams entering this season, and especially coming off you know a playoff run, you you need a little bit of optimism. Well, well, you know, to start off that season, and they did not have. They had a lot of really tough teams. But when you look at the Giants, you look at where they are right in the standings. I think you need to move on from Daniel Jones. You know, I think that division. There's too many teams that have. Uh, you know playoff hopes to really be able to make a run with Daniel Jones at this point in time. So I think you need a new coach. You need a new philosophy and it's time to move on in regards to, you know, firing a, a coach of the year. It's happened before coaches of the year have sucked. And I think Dayball is sucking, you know, and, and you look at this game, there's a lot of decisions he could have made better. And that decision-making that leading is where I have issues with him. Um, with the Jets, one thing I'll say is we, we, I've been through so many years of seeing fights and arguments and all types of bad things in that locker room. And it all came from having Adam Gase, right? Uh, you know, and, and, and guys before Adam Gase is not good coaches, not keeping that locker room in check. Uh, with Robert Sala, even when he wasn't making the best decisions on the field, well, guess what? He made good de- decisions off the field that at least kept people in town. You know, say what you want about him. He got Aaron Rodgers to come to the Jets, right? He got Aaron Rodgers to take a pay reduction on the Jets, those are not easy things to do. Uh, remember Aaron Rodgers taking a, a pay cut when he was on the Packers? I don't. So here, here's the thing. He was able to lead this team to bring free agents into this team and, and, and to make the trade with Rodgers. And that is a leader. With Dayball, I just don't see that. And I think when you have that locker room with the Giants where it's just there's got to be no hope there, um, you, you got to move on at some point. I, I think for the Giants, maybe this uh, loss, even though it was a, a, an ugly loss, 
they were able to have some uh, sparks on defense. Maybe this can push them to work a little bit harder. But, you know, we're, we're talking about Josh Allen, going, you know, the quarterback you're going up against, the king of the choke. I mean, I, I just don't know if you could really see Dayball as, as a leader in this locker room and as a guy who's going to be able to help you get better in future years. I think the Giants are out of contention this year. And I think it's especially so because of the other three teams that they're going up against uh, in, in their uh, division. You know, the Commanders, you know, ha- have had some bad games. Look at the Chicago game. But the Commanders are still, you know, I think they're three and three right now, right? They still have playoff hopes, right? The Eagles are obviously a playoff contender. And, and uh, the Cowboys just as much, you know, a team that's going to try to get a wild card spot or maybe even win the division. That's still a possibility for them. Um, the Giants are definitely out of it. I think you have to move on. So something Bengals fans have become very reactionary the last few years because we've gotten that taste of greatness and so whenever something goes bad, everyone wants everyone fired, it seems like, on the internet. Um, Zach Taylor is one of those people who people automatically want fired. And something I always ask is, who do you replace him with? And they're like, well, anyone, anyone. I mean, in the moment, they're like, anyone's better than Zach Taylor right now. And uh, same thing with Daniel Jones. Who do you replace him with? That's what the Cowboys have said with Dak. Who are we going to bring in that's better than Dak? Which Daniel Jones, I do think, is more replaceable than Dak. But do you want to go that reactionary route? Unless the way I think you replace Daniel Jones is you somehow get someone to trade for him because that's a that contract is huge. Sign Saquon and then draft a quarterback. I don't know how you necessarily replace Brian Dable, though. So, I mean, with the coaching situation, I'd say this with Zach Taylor. I think Zach Taylor, the reason people were reactionary to him were because of his decisions on the field and because they felt like he wasn't, you know, winning that many games. In the beginning of every season with Zach Taylor, there's a lot of questions. Zach Taylor, I think, I don't know what the reason is. Maybe you you probably know this better than I do, but he seems to struggle getting over that first hump of the season. Um, call Call it whatever. Brian Dayball, for me, it's he gets angry. He doesn't seem to have the locker room control, and he doesn't make good good on field decisions. It's too many issues for me that I think you just have to get rid of him. Um, in regards to who you're going to replace him, I mean, there's so many offensive and defensive coordinators all over uh, the NFL you could look at. I would actually, if I was them, I would look at. I'm I'm blanking on his name, but. Uh, the OC for the Eagles, I and mean, he's had some success. And you look at the Eagles, one thing you can't say they're bad at is having a good O-line. Maybe you bring in someone from the Eagles. That's an organization that's had success. Whether it's an offensive or defensive coordinator, look at someone who has head coach potential um, who succeeded on that team because that's a team that's done very, very well. Um, and that's how coordinators are usually picked. I don't like the college route uh, for picking NFL coaches for to be a head coach or even a coordinator. I think college and NFL is just two completely different games. But look at teams where you have offensive or defensive coordinators, you know, who, who might be able to do something. I just think Dayball is not a good person to have in your locker room. Um, with Daniel Jones, I, I don't think he's as much of a necessity to replace. Um, my bigger concern is that I just don't think he's going to get any better. So I think you, at the very least, you, you get a couple guys in the draft um, or through free agency who might be able to compete with him. Um, I, th- I think I, I think you want to use at least a, a third round pick 
if you if you're willing to maybe a second or first round pick on a quarterback and there's a lot of quarterbacks in this upcoming draft who you know look like they're good enough i don't watch that much college so i can't really judge them but you know people are saying this is gonna be a big quarterback draft so maybe you get someone in the second or third round uh who might have some potential um i think i, I just think for the giants right now you're not going to make a big move right you're not going to make a big run in the playoffs i i don't even know if saquon's going to want to sign uh any any longer contracts than what he has with the giants as of now so uh, i think for the giants it's just time to move on okay um i think you're thinking when you said the eagles offensive coordinator or their coordinators i think you're thinking of shane steichen and jonathan gannon uh shane steichen is currently the offensive coordinator for, or the head coach for the colts jonathan gannon is the defensive coordinator for the Cardinal or is the head coach for the Cardinals. Uh, both the coordinators in Philadelphia are first year. Yeah. I'm not, I am thinking of uh, their current offense. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm forgetting his name. I, I, I see him on TV all the time, but uh, I'm thinking of, of that guy. Cause so you, I, I, you want them to go after Brian Johnson. I, if that's his name. Yes. Okay. Okay. I think another one who, let me make sure I get his name, right. Uh, I believe it's Ben Johnson for the Lions. I think he'll end up getting a head coaching position as well. He's the offensive coordinator for the Lions. So if they do decide to move on from their reigning coach of the year, which I would personally be surprised, but I do understand the argument. Ben Johnson might be a guy. So it's definitely a hot take, Stan. Uh, Let's – move on to a segment you wanted to do that is what teams are already out of the playoffs and since you came up with this i'm gonna let you go first well here's the crazy thing for me right Uh, i feel like most years yeah it's it's kind of a split between uh the afc and uh nfc i think this year there's only two afc teams i think are truly out of the playoffs and those ones being the Patriots and the Broncos. And uh, you look at these teams, you look at what they have and if they have any potential to get better. Uh, with the Patriots, I just don't see that. I don't think, especially with their quarterback room and the fact that Bill Belichick has, you know, a, a death warrant for Bailey Zappi. He doesn't want to ever see him play, apparently. <laughs> um, I don't think you're going to get anything from that team. Um, and when you look at the uh, AFC East, you know, you got the Dolphins and the Bills. Dolphins who are leading the division, uh, something I just did not see happening. Um, and the Bills, who, you know, have been consistently making the playoffs for the last, what, four years, three years now. Um, plus, you have the Jets, who are having a good season. Uh, it's just not going to work for the Patriots. Uh, the Broncos have a bit of a similar situation where uh, they just don't have – I just don't think they have the guys on their team who can turn this season around. They're 1-5 right now. Now, the Broncos have a slightly easier path just because you only have one team, the Chiefs, in that division who are really doing amazingly right now. But nevertheless, the Broncos are not looking good on, in the AFC. The NFC, on the other hand, I see pretty much every division having uh, one team, the Giants uh, being the ones in the East where, again, you're just not seeing a whole lot of hope in that team. And I don't think because of the teams in their division, they really have any chance. Um, the Cardinals and the Panthers are two easy picks. Panthers, I believe, are the only team that hasn't won a single game uh, in the NFL so far. Um, and, and the NFC North, uh, I'd make the argument there's three teams there. I think the Packers, Vikings, and Bears are all out of playoff contention. Yeah, so looking at – I'll start the same way as you did. I agree. Patriots are out. I I don't think Bailey Zappi is going to be an elite guy, but I wish we would have seen more of him. Uh, instead, they brought in Will Greer, 
who I think is now officially the backup. And then they elevated Malik Cunningham from the practice squad. or No, they signed him to the practice squad and then extended him for three years. And he's kind of a wide receiver, quarterback mix. Um, so they just don't want to see Bailey Zappi, I guess. I don't know why he's still on the team. The Bengals will take him as a backup, in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, I'd say the Patriots are out. Broncos, yeah, they're out, I'd say. I'd also probably say the Chargers are out if they continue to perform with their run game like they have been. Um, they're 2-3. and three. Haven't really impressed me too much. Maybe they get a few wins and squeak it out, but currently the Raiders are out or ahead of them, and I don't even see the Raiders as a playoff team. AFC North is super tight. I think any one of those teams could win the division. Ravens are four and two, Steelers three and two, Browns three and two, Bengals three and three. Um, Bengals are on bye week this week. I think any of those teams could win the division, and any of those teams could get a wild card spot. Titans, I think, surprisingly to everyone, I think they're probably also out of the division because the Jaguars and Colts have been very good. Although now with Gardner, I kind of trust Gardner being the backup though. He's one of the better backups, so maybe they can hold hold them down but uh texans are also being very good with cj stroud like you said though the nfc is where it's easy giants out cardinals which the cardinals are one of my i think they're on over or uh, i think they're underrated i think a lot of people see that one in five record and go the cardinals suck no the cardinals don't suck they just they're rebuilding they're not tanking i don't think you can tank in the nfl um Josh Dobbs has looked uh, way better than expected. They've put up fights in all of their games. They've put up fight against the 49ers. They beat the uh, Dallas Cowboys. I think the Cardinals are a better team than their record shows, but it goes off record, so they're out of the playoffs. Bears are out. I agree with you. Uh, Vikings and Packers are probably also out. I haven't seen anything from Jordan Love that wows me and gives me this whole – He's supposed to be the next Aaron Rodgers, the next Brett Favre. I haven't seen that yet from Jordan Love. Um, sorry, Packers fans. This is what it's like to have a non-Hall of Fame quarterback. Um, the Vikings The Vikings are another team who, if they, they did this last year too, except they did it the other way. They were winning all their close games. And... I thought they might have a chance to win the North. The Lions are kind of running away with it now. Um, I'm happy for them. I really like Dan Campbell. But the Vikings have had so many fumbles. Fumbles have been their main issue, not so much interceptions. Um, And I looked it up here. They are negative seven on turnovers, which for those of you who don't know what that means, that means that they have had more turnovers than what they've gained. So, like, they fumbled more then fumbles recovered. And uh, the only two teams worse than them are the Cleveland Browns and the New England Patriots, who are both at negative eight. New England Patriots, I'm not even going to go down. The Cleveland Browns, though, have had P.J. Walker, Dorian Thompson-Robinson at quarterback both times, and they've both struggled with turnovers. So Vikings should not be down there with them. I mean, Alexander Madison should be better with the ball. Um, you've, it's just been a team issue. So I think uh, Stan said before the show he thinks it's a coaching issue. I, I do think that's a possibility. They need to work on maintaining the ball. Panthers, 
Yeah, they're zero and six. They're out. The uh, Frank Reich, the head coach, just handed over play calling to the offensive coordinator as well. So that's not always a promising sign. Falcons and Saints, though, are both three and three, and the Buccaneers are leading at three and two. So that division's wide open as well. So I think there are a few teams already out six weeks in, and uh, but we've still got good football to be played here in the AFC North. And uh, like you said, the NFC South is also wide open. Uh, NFC East, which I used to call the NFC least because all those teams sucked, that might also be a good division. you got the Eagles, Cowboys, and Commanders all kind of right next to each other. So that could be a fun game to watch. Um, was there anything else you wanted to add before we move on to uh, Thursday Night Football? Well, I have, I have a two little points of contention with you here. Oh, uh, okay. You know, and I – uh, I know, I know you have some personal connections with the Cardinals now. You've been on the Cardinal rule a couple of times, uh, but I, I'm going to say they're out. I mean, they've they've gone against some tough teams, right? But they're not really fighting too much in those teams. The Rams, I think, are a team that they should have scored more on. The Rams don't have the defense they used to have, and to score nine against the Rams, not a great look for me. Um, I will say also, I mean, the Cardinals, they, they're. Uh, the teams they're going up against, they're not really getting that much easier. I think the Browns are going to give them a run for their money, and the Ravens, uh, their next two games, are going to do the same. Um, looking at their schedule, they have the 49ers, the Eagles coming up. Uh, even the Steelers, I think, are, are going to at least contend with them, right? So I don't know if the Cardinals are really going to be in it, especially because of who's around them. And the other big point of contention I had with you, with what you said, is uh, you said the Chargers were completely out of it. I actually disagree with that. Their three losses were two three-point losses and one two-point loss. Uh, very, very close games. They haven't had a single loss above three points. So to me, when I look at that, well, that those are all the games where, you know, you score one more touchdown, right? You score one more field goal, and that could be going the exact opposite way. So when I look at the, uh, the Chargers, that's a team where I think some very small decisions uh, could change a lot for them. And uh, they're, the teams they're going up against are actually getting a little bit easier. Um, Packers and Lions coming up. And I also see their, uh, you know, while the next game is against the Chiefs, the one after that is against the Bears. I think that that's a very easy win for them. So I think the Chargers, I could see them turning around things uh, very, very quickly. Um, but, you know, for me, I love uh, six weeks into the season. Uh, for me as a Jets fan, that's usually when I start, you know, getting ready for the NFL draft. Uh, so, <laughs> so big time for me as a Jets fan. And, and for the first time, I'm not too excited about the draft. I'm excited about the playoffs. It's a great uh, six weeks into the season for me. Yeah, so I just want to clarify. I don't think the Cardinals are going to make the playoffs. I was saying I think that they are an underrated team. I think people think that they are intentionally losing games, and I don't think they are because they've put up a lot of fight in those games. And, yeah, they've lost most of them, but if you were intentionally losing games, that would be different. But – James Conner, who's on IR now, looked good. Josh Dobbs has looked pretty good for what he's expected. Chargers, though, you, you brought up those little, those little things. Those little things are why Brandon Staley is currently on the hot seat. He loves going for it on fourth down. His decision-making is so, like, you watch. And I've, I've talked to Chargers fans. Yes, they do exist. And they're like, why? Why are you like this? Because it'll be like, no, you'll be in no man's land and they'll be up seven and they'll go for it on like fourth and four. And it's like, don't, don't do that. Because then 
whoever the offense only needs to go 20 yards to get a field goal. And what did you just say they're losing by? Field goals, three points. So I haven't seen anything from Brandon Staley to indicate that decision-making is going to change. He seems pretty dead set in doing that. Maybe, maybe it happens though. Maybe he changes his mind. Maybe he's like, this isn't working. I just don't think the Chargers are going to get it done. Yeah, I mean, one thing I will say about uh, uh, the Chargers and where they are as a team is, you know, you look at at those wins and losses, their defense is terrible. So I I think a lot of those times going for it on fourth down, maybe not a no-man's land, but on the other side when you're flipping that field over, I think that makes sense because your defense, when they're giving consistently high numbers of points to the other teams, and they haven't gone up against all amazing offenses. I mean, they're, they're, their division is riddled with uh, poor offenses, right? So the fact that they're going for all these fourth downs, I think sometimes it can make sense. You know, when you have a, even a fourth and three, fourth and four on your side of the field, and you know your defense just does not have what it takes to, to keep that other team, I think sometimes it does make sense to go for it. I think sometimes it does make sense. I just don't think that he does it when it always makes sense. Also, Chargers' run game has sucked, which, yes, they've only had one game with Austin Eckler back since he was injured. But even in that one game, the entire team as a whole only got 35 yards rushing. That's including Herbert rushing, Joshua Kelly, uh, any anything else, Austin Eckler. You can't have that, especially when your quarterback, Justin Herbert, is clearly uncomfortable in the pocket the entire game. Mm-hmm. So, I uh, I just I don't see it for the Chargers, but maybe maybe I'll be wrong. We can uh, we can go on though. We can go on to Thursday night football tomorrow night. The Jaguars face off against the New Orleans Saints. There was questions about whether Trevor Lawrence, who had a knee injury would be playing in that game and it sounds like he will be playing um Derek Carr is also playing for the New Orleans Saints and uh, I wanted to know what your thoughts on this game are with these teams what what do you think uh we're gonna see tomorrow night well specifically I think uh I see the Jaguars having a lot of running yards uh whether or not Lawrence is back I mean, their running game has looked really great at times, and their O-line has been really helping their running backs find those holes, specifically Etienne uh, in the backfield. Uh, So I think you're going to see a lot of rushing yards uh, from the Jaguars. Uh, The Saints are a team that's, you know, they've been able to compete even without, you know, Sean Payton, the man they've had for so long. Um, I'll make the argument that their uh, their 3-3 and record is probably just as good as it would be without uh, Payton. And, And, you know, I, I like I like the Saints. I think they definitely won that trade too. Um, I'm looking at at this game as as, as a real nail biter. These are two teams that are still in playoff contention, um, albeit two different extents. I think the Jaguars are definitely a, a much more dominant looking team. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Saints they pulled out some wins. Uh, they've looked good, um, and even in their losses, you know, they, there's been a lot of bright spots on that team. Um, I think it's a, a really weird mix of a lot of, you know, old grizzled veterans and really young guys who have a lot of upside in the future. So I'm excited for this game. I think it's going to be one of the better Thursday night football games of the year. Um, and I've, I've, I don't know if I've said this on the show before, but I think uh, the prime time selections for this year have been terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we've seen those Amazon <laughs> workforce solution ads, how they're the ones making the schedule. Never again. Can we have humans do it next time? AI is gone. But uh, I think it's going to be a really good game. 
Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, Thursday Night Football, ever since Amazon took over, just hasn't been good. Last year, it was terrible. They gave the Commanders like seven games, and it just did not work out well at all. Um, Bron- Here's what I'll say. Sorry. Broncos also well, had a ton of games. What, what were you going to say? I'm going to say with, with those Thursday night games, though, I do like uh, if you watch it through Amazon Prime, they have this Prime Vision thing going mm-hmm. on. And I'm a big stats guy. I love their statistics there. It's a lot of fun for me. I like it too. But when uh, I have it on that, my dad's like, can we get all this extra stuff off? The, I, I, we don't need this. And I'm like, it's, it's the numbers. <laughs> but I, uh, I think this is going to be a big running game as well for Travis Etienne. I would also like to see some Tank Bigsby action. We haven't seen a whole lot of him, but I, I think this would be a game to maybe see that. I've been hard on the Saints' defense. A lot of people have them as a top-five defense. I haven't necessarily seen that. Um, This could be a game where they could prove me wrong, and I want them to prove me wrong. Uh, They got Honey Badger, and they've got Tyron Matthew back there. Or Honey Badger and Marcus May. Uh, Honey Badger is Tyron Matthew. Um, That's going to shut down the passing game, I think, or at least limit it, especially if Lawrence is still recovering. And I'd like to see them use that run game. I'd like to see Etienne have a big game. I'd like to see um, – I had a bunch of stuff written down here as well. Yeah, I'd like to see the Saints D improve as well against the run game. So I think this will be a nice little challenge for them. Something else that I want to see, though, that we haven't seen really, in my opinion, since the Sean Payton era is Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill used to be all over the media as this Swiss army knife player. He's tight end that can also play quarterback, running back, wide, whatever. I want to see, I want to see more of that. I mean, uh, Williams is out the running back, their backup running back. Why, why are we not using Taysom Hill in as a running back? Let's, let's get him in this game. Let's get him. uh, Let's get Alave open more by having Taysom Hill out there. Michael Thomas open more by having Taysom Hill out there. I want to see more Taysom Hill. We haven't seen that in a long time. A lot of people have probably forgotten he's even on the Saints. But I have his autograph. I do. I have his. And I have not forgotten you, Taysom Hill. So I want to see him. I'd like to see Tank Bigsby uh, for the Jaguars. Those are my two things I really want to see. Yeah, I mean, when I look at uh, the, the, New or- the New Orleans offense, um, I didn't see John Johnson's looking a little questionable, so maybe we'll see Taysom Hill, you know, playing a little bit more at tight end. Um, I, I think I, I disagree with Taysom Hill needing to get out there. I, I know it's great for your card, but <laughs> I will say, I will say, I mean, with the uh, potential injury with John Johnson uh, and the fact that you know that tight end room is not looking great, yet I think you do need a little more bodies in that tight end room. And I think Taysom Hill is a guy who you know that Swiss Army knife. Right now, he's needed more at tight end, in my opinion. But when I look at that defense, uh, you know, I have it pulled up right here for the Saints. I think the big issue I see is it's very front heavy. You don't really have the backups. So towards the end of these games, um, even the middle of these games, when you need the, the, the second strings, the third strings to come out, I just don't think uh, the Saints have the team that's going to be able to, uh, you know, back those guys up well. Um, and when I look at the team, you know, Nathan Shepard, you know, their starting D tackle, you know, was a guy who was uh, a second, maybe even a third string at times for the Jets last year, right? So it's not really a very top-heavy team. Oh, sorry, a very well-backed-up team. Um, and even in that in that rush, uh, the rushing uh, 
the, the Saints rushing, it's really not the uh, the greatest D-line out there. So that, that's why I think it's another big reason. You're going to see a lot of runs. And I, I'm excited for that. I, I have Etienne starting on my uh, on my number one fantasy team. So I, I'm excited for this. I, I believe I beat your number one fantasy team as well in the league. Still word. number one. Still number one. <laughs> but I think I'm the one person who beat you. Um, yeah. I Taysom, So Taysom Hill, he isn't – Maybe, okay, yeah, you use him at the tight end position. But I think the beauty of Taysom Hill is you never know what he's going to be doing when he's on the field. So putting him out there, you could use him as a decoy if you want. You could have him just run a post route for no reason and take one of those corners with him, and that opens up Alave. You can have him go in as running back and just block. Like, you can, you can do whatever you want with Taysom Hill. It doesn't, he doesn't have to do any one thing. And I don't, I don't even think he needs receptions necessarily. I just think he, he helps the offense out by confusing the defense. Sure. But uh, who, who do you have winning this game? I'm going to go with the Jaguars just because the Jaguars, I mean, you know, they're, they're coming back from two London games. So they've definitely been pushed a little bit coming back overseas. But they've done well in those games, right? I mean, they, they've looked good as a team, as a unit. And uh, I, I don't think that's going to change. I, I, I just don't see too many holes in that team. I think there's so much star power there. Uh, they're going to be able to pull through with it. Um, I think especially because of the state of that Saints defense, I think the Jaguars are going to pull out with it. Yeah, I agree. I think the Jaguars are going to control the time of possession, which in my opinion is an underrated stat. They're just not going to give the Saints time to score, especially if they are able to stick to that run game and just run the ball um, downfield, downfield all the time. We'll probably see a few big passes to Calvin Ridley and Evan Ingram, but I'm expecting Travis Etienne to have another big game. So that's why I'm thinking time of possession. Jaguars are just going to own it for the entire first half or something, or like 30 minutes time of possession and just not give the saints time to score. Um, yeah, I, I think that possession time is super important, especially because, you know, that this is a home game for the Saints, right? And in a home game, you know, you, you really want to, to get that excitement from the crowd built up. And if they're just watching uh, Jaguars run for five yards, run for six yards, run for 15 yards over and over and over again, you're not really going to have as much of a home advantage. I will say one of the things, you know, when I, when I, as a Jets fan, when I look at our games, because of New York being such an easy destination and our stadium being close to so many other teams, uh, oftentimes our home games don't really feel like home games because a third of the crowd is coming from Philadelphia, like, like last week. Um, the New Orleans, uh, the, 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 the Saints aren't going to deal with that when they're going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars, especially because New Orleans is kind of like their own secluded city, right? So if, if the Saints can get some possession time, and, you know, Taysom Hill, uh, one thing, one big advantage of him throwing the ball is it gets the crowd really riled up. So maybe if you're playing a little bit more to that. I see your argument a little bit uh, clearer now. You know, you, pl- you play into Taysom Hill. You'll let them control the ball a bit more, and maybe that crowd can get a little more ramped up, a little more excited in a close game, and put a bit more pressure on the Jaguars when they're up. Taysom Hill, he is the answer to the Saints' success. Will they, will they use him? We'll find out tomorrow night. Actually, I'm going to a concert, so I, I won't find out till later when I rewatch the game. But <laughs> Cole Swindell's in town. I got to go see my buddy Cole. Um, do you have anything else you wanted to add before we go into the spiel? I think I'm good. Okay, perfect. Well then thank you for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed, please remember to like comment and subscribe. 
We can be found anywhere you listen to podcasts and on YouTube at No Butts Show. Our social media pages are No Butts underscore show on Instagram and No Butts Show on TikTok. My Twitter is Josh underscore Butts underscore 2001. And if you would like to reach us, you can email us at bullmoosepodcast2, that's the number two, at gmail.com. Finally, our spread shop will be in the description so you can check out the merch. Once again, if you enjoyed today's show, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Until next time, go do something nice for someone.